Welcome to the VR Fitness Insiders Podcast for the creators who are building the future of the VR and AR sports and fitness industries that will revolutionize the way the world will play sports, work out, and get fit. With your hosts, Preston Lewis and Ryan DeLuca, the founders of Black Box VR, who are building the world's first full fitness VR gym and bring decades of experience from creating some of the largest fitness technology companies in the world. They're bringing together the best and brightest minds to help you and your company succeed in the VR fitness revolution. Welcome to the VR Fitness Insider Podcast. Today, we have three guests on the show, first time ever, from Octonic VR. We're lucky to chat with Ilya, who's the CEO and co-founder of Octonic VR, as well as Nyan, who's the chief of business for Octonic VR, and David, chief engineer and co-founder. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for having us. So why don't we kick it off and hear a little bit about your guys' backgrounds and how you first got into VR? Sure, I'll start. So uh, like many of us probably from childhood, I was excited about virtual reality, reading books and stuff. I remember like passing the store during my teens and seeing VR headset I really wanted to buy. The problem was it was $7,000 and it was like probably half my weight. But fast forward in 2014, 2015, I've tried DK1. I think it was live for speed. Back then, indie game popular on some sim racers, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Frames were like thirty-five, probably, but it was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's how I started with VR, and since then, I was into racing games and flight games. So, almost immediately, I saw the potential and a need for a wheel and a chair. And when I got the wheel and the chair, then I wanted the chair to actually vibrate. I got some transistors on four corners was pretty amazing. And then I'm like, and eh, not enough with virtual reality. And so that's how I got to motion simulators, started building some basic motion simulators, became a, quite a big hobby. And in 2016, we actually opened a business in downtown Manhattan. We built the Cabneo VR lab, where basically racers, pilots would come in and train. Many of them actually trained, not for fun. People would go to Laguna Seca, train on their car. They're going to drive in a month from now. Then they would go to Laguna and obviously they're saving money and also they're doing much better with their friends. So fast forward then Actonic and we'll talk more about Actonic a bit later, but that's pretty much my introduction. Some people are like, oh, I want to get into VR and I might get like a comfortable chair or something like you built your own racing rig. <laughs> you know, how awesome is that? <laughs> I'm David, and the first thing that got me into VR was this show called Sweater Online. That's where I pretty much learned about VR from, and then tried VR for the first time at Neo actually, when I used the omnidirectional treadmill. Since then, I've just been getting more involved in the VR area, VR, AR, and like interactive experiences and stuff like that. Yeah, so Nyan, let's, let's hear your background. First tried VR in the 90s at uh, one of my good friends' bar mitzvah celebrations. And uh, back then, it was basically like a motorcycle helmet where you just strap yourself in and you put yourself into this really, really large piece of equipment. But still, I was floored with the potential uh, with what I experienced that day. But unfortunately, the immediate aftermath of that, it was still another era of, of VR. And I didn't really experience it until the more modern era in the mid-2000s. I met the founders of my previous VR company called Jump Into the Lights, which was a VR center here in New York City. 
and had an amazing experience with the modern form of VR. I kept in touch with the team over there. I gave them kind of pro bono consulting advice because at the time I was a consultant and uh, eventually they gave me an offer to join the team over there. And that kind of got me started in my professional career in VR. And I've been doing it ever since, since 2017. Well, so before Octomic, you guys created, I'm not sure I'm saying this right, but Hub Neo VR Lab. Is that how you say it? That's correct. And that was located in Manhattan for people to go and experience. Tell us about that and what you learned from seeing people immerse themselves in these next level VR experiences. I'll start. You guys feel free to pitch in. The idea of uh, Hub New VR Lab was to bring the most expensive, most advanced equipment in VR motion simulation to people, make it available. Our rigs were like tens of thousands of dollars. Just a few people could actually afford them, not to mention all the hustle coming from VR back in the days. It's obviously PC experience as well. So there is much more transaction costs involved in maintaining those systems. So that's what we did. We basically provided experience and the best of the best in virtual reality technology, not an introduction to virtual reality, but more like advanced experience, more like what will be virtual reality in years to come. So that was the mission of this place and we've been quite successful in it, right? So lots of kids came through and lots of also professional drivers and pilots as well. One thing we learned from pretty much the get-go, and I think, David, you may remember this moment. Back then, we already had wireless and we had backpacks, VR1 backpacks. And one customer got so excited about one game character that basically he charged after it. And there was only 10 feet room available for oh, no. actually running. So it was right going into the wall. VR to ER. Good <laughs> fine. Actually happy even. So everything is fine. The headset had a few scratches, VR1 as well. But what we learned from cases like that is obviously locomotion is a big problem in virtual reality. And pretty much that's how we probably year two, while we were running the lab, David and I started tinkering on the idea of treadmills, omnidirectional treadmills and fast forward to fitness treadmills. But that's something we can talk later. And just real quick on that, what simulation devices did you have? So you had driving devices, Omni treadmills. We had flight simulators as well. We had wireless. Nobody will be impressed by it now, but back then wireless room scale was a big deal. And by the way, we've used Dorchuk's omnidirectional treadmills. I think you were saying about training that professional drivers would use it for training and that's something that's so interesting about VR is that the repetitions you can do, you don't have to actually go out to the track. And obviously the more you can transfer VR activity to real world, which obviously we're using a motion simulator and the actual steering wheel and flight controls can help with that. Did people say like, yes, that made a difference for them. They would go and practice at Hub Neo and then go out to the track and be noticeably better. This, and also I think a big deal, and David can speak for that is a psychological aspect. David, I'm alluding to our driving school. Maybe you can share a little bit of your experience running sessions for student drivers. We did have this driving school program where the drivers were able to go through like a course. They would teach them out of the U-turn and parallel park and stuff like that, which I assumed helped people. I mean, we don't really hear back from them if it actually helped them or not, but we have repeat customers. So I think if 
they come back, they think they're getting better, and then they'll probably do better on the driving actual test. Yeah, and I think the psychological aspect was there, like really present. People would sit in the motion simulator, right? And they would be trembling, seeing the road from a cockpit in virtual reality because how they were afraid of real driving. So that's what I think was even probably like more helpful than even their driving skills improvement. With the racers, however, that was specifically like when you are trying to shave off a few seconds on the lap, that was definitely like significant skill improvement. That's interesting, the fear aspect, I guess, because we talk a lot about the training aspect. We've had some people on the show, Ryan Engel from Golf Plus, and he talked about them trying to make it as one for one if possible with certain peripherals and things like that with the weight of the club and haptics, but didn't even think about the fear aspect of that. You know, we, we talk a lot about the football simulations and just the fact that you're getting all the reps in, but that's also got to be the power of exposure therapy. And one thing to note is in the military, they're using VR a lot to help with things like PTSD and really rewire those bad memories and those fears and those phobias to help people recover. So that's interesting. I never thought about the fear aspect in sports. I always thought of it as the exposure therapy with like the arachnophobia or the PTSD, but it's true for sports and racing as well. It's interesting. And driving too. It's like practicing parallel parking in traffic. You're just never going to do it. <laughs> You'll be like, I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm never going to get that skill down. But thank you for helping to improve people's driving skills. The world needs more exactly. of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in New York. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There must be a horn on there, right? They just hit the horn over and over again. <laughs> Maybe we'll jump over to your pivot to VR fitness. So after Hub New learned a lot there, very successful, put a lot of people through there. And then you said, all right, you know what? We want to move into VR fitness. You mentioned that you were already thinking about treadmills. Obviously, it's a natural extension from that to the fitness aspect of treadmills, not just the gaming aspect. But what made you decide to do that? And how did that come about? Being gamers... And being VR enthusiasts, we wanted to build omnidirectional treadmill. That was our idea. And we are talking about a fully automated machine with the moving elements. I'm not talking about static treadmills based off sliding motion, for instance, and stuff. And that's what our goal was all along. And as we were building small prototypes of this potential omnidirectional treadmills, we were also building a software. David was involved in actually figuring out how we can synchronize the movement of the runner with the movement of the machine. And at some point of time, during the hardware design process, we came to full realization. And obviously, we also have some friends and examples. And uh, one conclusion we came to independently was that we cannot build omnidirectional treadmill with the technology existing at the moment where it will be cheap enough, small enough, easy to use enough, right? So military applications, totally. B2B applications, quite possible. But something you can put in your home, you need to have a really big home and probably like a team of engineers helping you all. So that was our conclusion. And by that time, David already brought the pretty robust motion engine for our imaginary treadmill. And we looked around and we're like, hmm, so we're a hardware company and we had build this software. So what can we do with it if we can build the hardware for it? And we're like, oh my God, there is 150 million hardware units around the world, which can be used with our software. And that's how the fitness came on the agenda. It was pretty natural to think about unidirectional treadmills. So 
our motion engine is actually overkill for unidirectional treadmills, but that was fine. And we basically used all this experience with the idea of making VR headset to communicate with the fitness treadmills. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's such a good point about the unidirectional treadmills being more difficult and obviously with enough experiences to fully work with that. And that's a good point. 150 million treadmills are sitting out there waiting for an upgrade. Uh, well, tell us more about what Octonic VR is exactly. So what's the gameplay like? How does it work together with those treadmills? And from a product standpoint, like describe it. What we built here is a software that connects mobile headsets like the, the Quest 2 and Quest Pro with fitness treadmills. We're compatible with 99% of fitness treadmills on the market from a non-connected standpoint. For 40 brands, we actually connect through Bluetooth, meaning the headset establishes a connection through our software with the Bluetooth connection on the treadmill itself. What this does is it allows people to control treadmills within virtual reality without actually having to press the physical controls on the treadmill itself. So there's a control pad in virtual reality that people can use without even having to take off their headset. For one treadmill brand, Noble Pro, we offer a fully immersive connected version. And what that means is there is a realistic replica of the treadmill model itself within virtual reality that is perfectly aligned and synchronized with what they see in virtual reality. So when people touch the treadmill and virtual reality, they're actually physically touching the treadmill itself in the real world. They can also see a moving treadmill belt as well as a run. The, the software allows us to convert a Noble Pro treadmill into a fully immersive virtual reality treadmill. That's kind of the product at a very, very high level. David can kind of take over and discuss the more technical aspects of it. It's kind of hard to get into the technical aspects. You have the simple stuff down, like the Bluetooth connection and everything. And there's some challenges aligning the treadmills and stuff, but you can find out in the app and see how they work. We didn't mention that for the non-connected treadmills where there's no actual physical treadmill model in the game. We are using the pass-through view. We're letting the users create like a box around them that will show the real world, which you'll have to align with your treadmill so that you can see your handles and everything. We do also have this self safety feature, which it reads your position relative to the treadmill, the center of the treadmill belt. And if you get too far from the center in any direction, our app will warn you. Um, so yeah. Seems like such a smart idea using pass-through. It's funny, like when we all got into VR, right? Like it's VR, we don't want to see anything. And we're slowly finding that like, wait a minute, pass-through has a lot of potential to help with a lot of use cases. And this is a very interesting one where you can't control it directly inside VR, so just let them have that pass through and it helps them to kind of see where they're at. And yeah, it's amazing too, that you're able to connect to so many different treadmills. It's great that they offer that to allow you to change it with external software and things like that. It makes it much easier for the people who don't have the treadmills that work directly. Tell me a little bit about the gameplay. I got the treadmill, I'm all set up. I got my pass through set up, got my workout outfit on, I'm ready to go. <laughs> what do I see? We've been talking about motion engine where we've built, but we also build virtual worlds. Because we are pioneers with the motion engine, there are specific rules required for the virtual worlds that they need to comply with in order to make your experience both safe and comfortable. Just to give you one idea, for instance, let's talk about turns in virtual reality, right? You're on omnidirectional treadmill, unidirectional treadmill, which means you can't really physically turn. So we use a trick where we have a special algorithm 
which allows us to understand how much in virtual world we can curve the road, curve your path to create the perception of you turning in virtual reality and in physical world without you perceiving the fact that you're actually not turning on the physical treadmill, right? The idea here is to find this middle ground. And obviously it also informs our design choices in terms of virtual worlds we build, right? So we can't really have 57th Street and 10th Avenue crossing with the 90 degrees turn right in front of the runner, but we can do some other tricks which allow people to actually explore in the games. So at this point we have multiple worlds and we are actually committed to release one world every month. And in fact, we did launch just two days ago, our new game. And the worlds for us are broken down generally into two types. First is just recreational worlds for fitness enthusiasts who may not be so much gamers and they just want to enjoy the beautiful environments being somewhere, let's say in snowy Michigan, go to Bora Beach and things like that. So that's the idea there. And obviously another aspect, social, which we can talk later about. That's for all of us here, an important focus. Another type of worlds is gaming worlds. We're still leaning heavily on gamers among our customers. And it's obvious we're on Quest 2 and the audience is big on games. So as a result, we're trying to offer our customers the best of two worlds, like fitness world and also gaming worlds with shooters, capture the flag, games like around the world I mentioned before. That's pretty much what people see inside of the headset. And obviously we're trying to push the level of realism as far as we can with the limited capacity of XR processors at the moment, but we're looking forward into the future, especially with XR2 Gen 2 by Qualcomm. We see the same thing at Black Box VR. Like some people come in and they're less gamer, the more fitness focused. They're thinking about doing the reps and the sets in this other world and adding that game element kind of on top. Or there's other people that want to play the game and think less about the fitness side of things. And so it's, it's really interesting that you've seen that mix of people. I guess on that note, what percent of like game time do you see people in the recreational worlds versus the more gamey worlds? Like it sounds like you're alluding to more gamers today. I can say that actually our games are more popular than our recreational worlds. I don't know what's the function there and why it is. I can throw in a couple of guesses and it was a surprise to us. Maybe it's not a surprise for you guys. You've been in the industry for quite a long time. We were surprised with how many people actually came to the platform without gaming experience. So there is definitely new people with the VR headsets who intentionally bought the headset to do fitness which is pretty amazing. That was a surprise to us. Second, we were surprised with the age of people. One of our favorite customers is 76 years old. He's enjoying it, right? Again, we've been thinking gaming worlds will be the only popular worlds, but no, people are actually using recreational worlds. They're very popular. And I guess the social multiplayer aspect also adds to this experience because you can now run with your body, talk to the person, and things like that. Gaming element becomes kind of secondary for some. At least. It's interesting that there's people that bought the headset for fitness are looking for these things. I think we've all been surprised by that, like the success of like Supernatural and FitXR, like how big those have become. I think the whole world kind of was a little surprised and, it's and for sure less people that are like hardcore gamers, which is cool, but they're gamifying with VR. What other type of interesting feedback do you get from people 
And like, what are they saying are the benefits of using this versus just like a normal treadmill or other workout? Yeah, I'd say it aligns along our goals of ultimately making the treadmill experience fun for people. I think that's been a key part of the feedback that we've been getting is this idea of elevating the exercise experience, the fitness experience while you're running, because we all know that being on a treadmill is good exercise. It helps keep us in shape, but it is relatively hard to motivate people to do it. Even with modern accoutrements like TV screens and music, we came in with the idea of helping them lower the bar to get started in the first place. It's helping people stay motivated and stay engaged with their exercise routine on treadmills. People enjoy the idea, for example, of running through environments that differs from whatever their home or gym may look like. Usually at gyms, it's a lot of mirrors and, and large alignments of treadmills side by side by side. But with our platform, they can run through an intergalactic arena. They can run through an environment that we call Sky Islands, which basically allows them to run through a floating island in another planet, essentially. People are really enjoying the concept of having a, a routine on their treadmills that allows them to escape the world and enhance their visual environments. There are studies of other platforms that have shown that the idea of time while you're in VR actually compresses, meaning if you spend 30 minutes in VR, you actually feel like you've actually spent a little less than that, for example. It also lowers the bar for people in terms of exertion. The level of exertion they feel that they've put into an exercise is actually less than what they were able to accomplish. So I think these are the, the kind of things and key takeaways that we're currently taking in our product as we move forward here. I just got to piggyback on that. I mean, you're basically speaking our language here for sure, because that's one of the things our first hypotheses with starting Black Box VR was that these immersive technologies could actually make fitness addictive. Uh, and that's actually in our mission statement, right? And what we're seeing and what the industry is seeing is that exact thing that you just mentioned is that you have these immersive environments and these gamified elements that are compressing time, dilating time, making a 30 minute workout feel like 10 and not only during the workout, but also as you guys were mentioning, kind of that feedback loop of wanting to come back given the right game elements and the right motivational factors, right? And so that's something we've seen. One of the things we've seen that's not just anecdotal, but actually we did a UCLA study with Black Box and it did show that the people participating in the study, they were testing basically the perceived exertion versus the actual exertion. And the actual exertion were the same benefits as uphill vigorous mountain biking, which is obviously like one of the hardest things to do. And it was perceived as jogging, right? And so right there, exactly kind of the same flavor of what you're saying that's a brain hack that's allowing people to finally stick to their workouts. So couldn't agree more. And I want to throw a joke in there. I was like, dude, as he was talking about Sky yes. Island, it makes me think of Mario Kart. And the first thing I thought was like, as you further gamify it, can you throw bananas down? What happens to the treadmill when you throw a virtual banana down and someone steps on it? <laughs> that's the VR to ER. The other thing people quite often suggest us is to get like in the forest world, for instance, get more animals, get some bears and stuff. We're like, yeah, and what's going to happen next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, you're running at seven miles per hour. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Perceived exertion. Lose a lot of weight that way, for sure. So, um, yeah, you guys talked about launching One World every month, I think, if we heard right. How do you deal with that type of a timeline? And maybe talk about some of the challenges of building a game and a system like Octonic VR. 
Like what have you learned along the way? Any tips to share with our listeners? I think the main challenge with building anything in VR actually is the performance aspect. Yeah, especially for mobile platform. Yeah, for the Quest. I mean, even for desktop, you still need to optimize more than you would normally need to optimize on a regular game. So there are a lot of tricks that we need to do to get our scenes to run at like 72 FPS. We have really big worlds that run pretty well on our platform. And a lot of optimization goes into building our environments. I was going to say, like, it's so true. Like if you, in a regular game, if I'm a mobile game or a shooter game on Xbox, its frame rate goes down for a little while. I'm going to rage quick because how did that guy get me? <laughs> but like with this, it's going to mess up my view of the world and how mm -hmm. fast I'm going. It can really create that disorientation. So yeah. it seems like for yeah. something like this. Ryan, the faster you go, right, the more frame loss you're going to actually detect, at least your brain. And it's actually becoming pretty dangerous if your frames are dropping at this high speeds. So yeah, that's what we are trying to build on making sure that on the one hand, you want to achieve photorealism and on the other hand, you need to be focused on performance of the system because it's also your comfort and safety. Yeah, I guess on that too, like what are the challenges around integrating with the hardware device? It's different than just putting on a headset, and just playing a game, you've got to set up the device. You got to integrate it with your machine. You got to make sure all that's working. What type of challenges do you guys see around that type of integration? Originally, our major challenge was just figuring out the whole system, obviously. It's a challenge. When we had the motion engine, it was obviously synchronization of the speed of the treadmill and of the virtual world, a big deal. And I'd say safety was probably one of the biggest topics we invested our time in, probably like worked on it a year in the past. First question treadmill manufacturers ask is the question of safety, obviously. We kind of had to really overspend our time on building really proved system for safety. David already mentioned some of the elements of it, right? Brian, you kind of mentioned it in relation to the pass-through box. It's important for them to feel that they can actually go back quickly, for instance, right? And the way they can do it on their run with Actonic is just pressing on their virtual control panel, the button pass-through mode. So they instantly find themselves in a familiar world in their apartment or gym, right? And then as long as they feel fine, they can go back to virtual reality while still exercising, right? So full pass-through is something that is very helpful. One of the interesting things that you brought up was this aspect of the beginner, right? So the beginner, of course, a beginner to VR, but also potentially beginners to just fitness in general, right? Because as we know, the vast majority of people can't stick to their workouts. And so one question we have is, have you found ways specifically to onboard people to the experience? Because it is one of the hardest things, as we know, with VR is helping people trust that VR can be this revolutionary tool for fitness. But have you guys found good ways to onboard people specifically for your system? Any specific innovations or maybe as simple as traditional game tutorials? Any insights there? Yeah, I have one. And again, goes back to pass through mode. We found that many people are afraid of full immersion in virtual reality and the introduction of pass-through view box, where you can define for yourself how much of real world you're bringing into your virtual experience and people have freedom, right? So they can outline just their treadmill. They can just have rails and the control box. 
control panel, or they can actually outline the larger areas so that their room is also visible, right? I think for many is an important fact that they are actually staying connected through these visuals to the real world. And then people can always make progress to a higher level when they feel comfortable they let go off of this specific functionality. And I guess another thing we didn't mention, which was a big discovery for us, is an introduction of avatar system. So basically, mm-hmm. when you run a Chile, you have a new mini version of you on your virtual control panel, right? And obviously, you can also modify your avatar to change skins and stuff. But the beauty of the avatar is that it shows your position on a mini treadmill, right? So you don't need to look down to figure out where you are on the belt. You run and with your corner of your eye, you just reference the avatar and that's going to be sufficient actually for safe running, right? So sometimes when people ask, hey guys, is it safe? We're actually saying it's safer than the real treadmill because it has many more features preventing you from going off of the treadmill compared to the real treadmill. That's super interesting. Maybe that's a note for the audience about testing, right? Rapid iteration, testing. I'm sure you guys didn't get that maybe on your first try. That that... was actually the feedback we've been getting. The avatar idea was a direct feedback from beta testers. People were not comfortable and that's how we arrived to avatar. I remember this moment when we actually came up with this idea, just kind of piggybacking of our gaming experience. In games, obviously, avatars are used for different reasons, right? But in our case, it was a pretty important safety feature. By the way, patented. You know, that's a great idea for us, too. I think having like maybe like a webcam view for us would be interesting because people have the same questions. Like, they have proprioception. They can basically tell what kind of form and what reps are doing. We have like videos in there showing them like what they're supposed to be doing. But sometimes people aren't sure. And so like just giving that confirmation that helps them to feel a lot better. So it's a great idea. By the way, we would be curious to know about your vision on the future of the social experience and let's say one-on-one trainer sessions specifically for your application. It seems like a big deal, right? And we obviously seen a lot of opportunities there. So we'd be curious to know more about that, but whenever you guys are ready. I think maybe we could do an episode on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of dovetailing into that it might be a little bit of a crossover, but We talked a little bit about the challenges of building the game. Talked a little bit about, of course, listening to customers, the iteration, really inventing new design patterns for safety, as well as just for an overall better user experience. Are there specific things that you think that developers should know when developing a VR fitness experience? I can't come up with anything like specific to VR fitness development. Just, you know, make sure to test everything yourself and... It's pretty much the same with like development in general, you know, to test and make sure everything's working. I mean, you can test it, but you should also have other people test it because you're very used to what you've done, right? And what you think might work may not apply to the general public and they might have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's funny. um, We all come from different backgrounds, whether it's how familiar we are with VR or technology, but there's also with us, what we're all doing is there's a fitness component where some people are super fitness experts and know everything about running on treadmills and form and everything they should be doing there. And then there's people that are brand new beginners like Preston was talking about. So if you're a, a more of an expert on running, it's hard to understand what it's like for somebody that's really just beginning. Cause you're like, what are you talking about? It's simple, but testing it with those type of people definitely can help a lot to understand where they're coming from. 
Nyan, did you have any thoughts on that, on any other things you might think about as a developer of the fitness experiences specifically, like what they should be watching? I would tie it into what we were just discussing previously, you know, the whole social aspect of VR, I think is something that not enough developers have really taken an opportunity to build on. I think one of the biggest criticisms of VR in this modern era has been the isolating aspect of it. The fact that it separates people from other people in addition to from the real world, but the infrastructure has become more supportive of social VR in recent years. And I think. If we can build more experiences that connect people through, not just through exercise, but more broadly in any aspect of XR in general, I think developers should take that opportunity to do that. We've tried to do that on our end. We'll continue to do that as we move forward. Really good point. It's easy to start with the single player idea of fitness, but then the real attack comes out. <laughs> people are working out like crazy, doing all these crazy movements and stuff. Well, that's probably the most exercise a lot of people are getting. So yeah, social, good, good point. Awesome. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, just to shift to the future, you guys are already ahead of most people and you're building the future, but if you had some sort of magic wand or you could snap your fingers and have the hardware and software that you'd want in the mainstream, what would that look like? What would that hardware and software look like that would help make VR sports and fitness mainstream? I'd say two elements for the hardware. I would say uh, cheap enough headsets, which are light and have a small footprint. And I'm sure guys, you're battling the same problems with your technology and business. So on the software side, what we really need is better avatar system. And actually it's easy to say better avatar system, but what it actually entails is much larger challenge. That's pretty much your motion traction for us, specifically for VR pioneers, like all of us, if you do something like one-on-one -on -one trainer session, ideally we would want to see a pupil and a trainer in the same virtual space and trainer needs to know what mistakes you're making. Right? So for instance, we're super excited about feed tracking which seems to be the way Meta is going. And even from the unofficial information we found in official sources, Apple is going the same way. So feed tracking would be amazing. And we hope that with the very little add-ons on the hardware side, just through the software, we will be able to arrive to better tracking, which will open huge opportunities for social VR fitness experiences. Well said. I'm going to take that clip. I'm going to forward it to everybody we know at Meta and Apple and HTC. And, yeah, like, we need this. Nine and David, do you have the type of things you think that would be helpful for us as we're building these experiences? I mean, definitely better graphical and computational power, right? We actually built some worlds for running using desktop graphics, and they look pretty crazy, like crazy realistic and everything, but we can't bring them to the quest due to performance limitations. One of those things we all know is just is going to get better, but like, please hurry up. <laughs> and we've also seen like a shift among our customers. If before they were like complaining about UI UX, for instance, right now, when all these problems are solved, one of the biggest complaints we get, when we're going to get photorealistic world. 
Yeah, of course. I'd say just having experiences for people to try it out. Places like Black Box, for example, where they can try before they buy. I think that will help launch it into the mainstream. Just having an outlet for people to try it out, whether it's at a gym, at Black Box, or at a general location-based VR center. I think any kind of exposure that people can have, see the technology that'll introduce them to the potential of exercise in VR will ultimately help it help adoption in the mainstream. These are great answers. <laughs> Every time I'm like, yep, covered that one. It's like you got an even better one and keep that on to it. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so true. If there was just places for people to just be able to go and try it out. That's kind of is our goal of it with Black Box is bring it to a retail location. Obviously, it's way more expensive, more difficult to do that than it is just software. But then people will be able to have at-home experiences. And if more gyms and more places just introduce people to the concept, that's going to make it so people will, will use those and the ones at home. Yeah, and yeah. to your point, Ryan, and to Nyan's point, if we specifically talk about gyms, right? Right now, for instance, Quest Pro, which is arguably a better headset for fitness, let's say, right? It's still 1100 bucks, even after discount, right? Still a lot. But if you put this headset in a gym, then it can be used by 20 members, right? So the price becomes negligible. I'm sure you've been going this route for quite number of years now, right? And we are also very excited about specifically gym application as the next step in increasing market awareness, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Just imagining somebody like there's a row of treadmills like you guys talked about and all these people bored <laughs> with bored looks on their faces, but then there's yep. one headset in the middle of somebody that is having a good time smiling and that's going to get people to like, what is that thing? It might be weird at first, but not for long and they're going to want to try it. Well, that's why it's so cool too, that you guys have taken the approach that you have with not necessarily going out and building these bespoke treadmills, but doing it to where it works with how many did you say? Millions of different 115 around the globe. Yep. 115 million in the States. Wow. So 115 million. So that's the cool thing about what you guys are doing. And it's been a huge benefit of course, with what Meta has done, but it's really as you mentioned, Nyan, it's getting the genie out of the bottle, right? With VR fitness. And so the fact that you guys found a way to get your software to a massive scale across all these devices is only going to help the entire industry. So definitely appreciate that. Most of those treadmills are probably not being used except for hangers for their clothes and exactly. <laughs> pull them back out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, we'd love to talk a little bit more about the future of Octonic VR to kind of wrap things up, but What's next for Octonic? Where do you guys hope to go and what can uh, customers expect? I've already mentioned in terms of commercial rollout, it definitely being on Meta Store for us is a big deal. There are, as you guys know, new headsets, standalone headsets coming out to the market, which we are very excited about as well. That's going to help with the mass adoption, hopefully. And we're all here waiting for this mass adoption help a lot with the social aspect of virtual reality. Right now, we don't have enough people potentially on the platforms to create this virality effect among all the users, all the people who are prompt to do fitness, not just among gamers, right? So that's why gyms, for instance, is a big step for us. We're looking forward to further develop our relationships with the treadmill manufacturers. Obviously, these are like the core players in the game and so far we've been getting very good feedback and help 
from these guys on the beta testing stages and on design stages as well, right? Just like you can't really do it without beta testers, you can't do, do it without hardware manufacturers. So that's another big thing for us. And in terms of developing new worlds, we will be striving to get to the point of photorealism, obviously. And there are some cool things going on in terms of how we can basically make the interaction between the person and the VR machine more natural. So at this point, for instance, as David mentioned, you control the fitness treadmill from virtual reality, which is pretty amazing. You use your hands, hand gestures, for instance, right? You don't need controllers now, but what if you can control the treadmill just with the movement, your natural movement, you make a step and knows that you've made a step, right? And treadmill is moving. So that's kind of the frontier of the technology that we're tackling right now. There is a long way ahead of us, but we are looking for this natural communication between the runner and the piece of exercise equipment. One thing I was going to mention is, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Zwift, that biking company. They're amazing. So, yeah, just thinking about the potential with you guys, um, because you've done this modular rollout where you, you don't have necessarily your proprietary hardware, it does seem like there's a huge potential to really flex on that community aspect that you were bringing up. So quick question on that. How do you prioritize the features that you build? Because you did mention earlier that you have the beginners that are coming onto the platform or coming into your experience and they are resonating a little bit more with the more gamified experiences versus the more scenic route experiences. So question would be, how do you balance that trade-off? Is it just purely by listening to customers? Do you have a specific direction you want to go that your gut instincts pulling you in? And how are you making those decisions? Because I know a lot of our listeners get caught in those crosshairs as well. Yeah. So there is a holistic reply and also practical reply. Mm -hmm. So holistic, we will go with the flow. We will not make decisions for the customer. We believe the customer, in this case, at least the customer knows what he or she wants. And the way we find out is basically every world you can run with Actonic. You don't need to pay anything to try any of our worlds. They're all free. And one of the reasons why we want them to be free is because obviously we want people to make informed choices and purchasing decisions. But another reason, after every demo a person does in our application, they can provide feedback about the world. And so these are the beginners who are demoing and we're getting information from them from each world they try for free, what world they liked and which world they didn't like. That's how we're practically solving this problem on our end. And so far, it's 50-50 split, guys, roughly, in terms of gaming focus and non-gaming focus for our audience, at least. Well, maybe we'll wrap things up. Final question for each of you. Where do you see VR fitness sports going in the next few years? Obviously, Octonic is going to take over the entire cardio side have the strength training please at least for yeah. <laughs> but like every treadmill is going to be upgraded with these amazing social experiences that are just going to make you so much better than just staring at the wall or the mirror or just on boring tv show where do you see just overall in general not just specifically iconic but where would you like to see in the next like three to five plus years br sports and fitness go and so specifically one-on-one -on -one training and training in groups with the trainer. I think in five years, 
quite achievable. And I'm talking not only about VR, pure VR, but also asymmetric. For instance, the trainer is at his desktop or on his smartphone, and he can track the performance of his pupils in virtual reality, and he can actually communicate to them in virtual reality. That's one of the applications which may be a very cool application for gyms, for instance, right? And one-on-one classes, right now I do my yoga classes with my teacher since COVID times, right? Via Zoom, I would love to do those classes in virtual reality. And five years may be just enough time to get there. Maybe she'll not be able to specifically correct me in my down dog, but it will be good enough. So that's what I'm excited about in this like five years. David, what's your dream experience to work out or do sports in VR? Uh, it doesn't matter too much for me as long as I'm having fun, I guess. As long I mean, as you play Beat Saber, right? Yeah, Beat Saber <laughs> was great. I mean, I, I think VR, the most appealing thing, at least about VR right now to me, is the fitness aspect. Like, it makes all the boring workouts more fun, right? And I think running on the treadmill, biking, whatever you want to do, you can do it with a VR headset on and it'll be better. Mm-hmm. So main dream is just current stuff even better, but just so many more people are doing it, seeing the benefits of it. And I guess more and more people that are coming in, that means that there can be more Beat Saber type games and other ones too, that will just allow a lot more investment to go into those. And that'll bring you more people in with awesome. And once it gets to photo real, it's going to be insane. I bet you guys, when you strapped up that PC VR to your experience, I got to imagine it was pretty incredible. We're going to get there. Nine, what's your dream for VR fitness? I mean, in addition to what Ilya and David have already mentioned, I'd say two things. The first being a major legacy fitness brand, or it could be current unicorns who are still considered startups, embracing this technology as a real element of their business. So I think you know having at least one, hopefully more than that, within the next five years would be big for VR fitness. And I also think the potential for VR esports to bring a new and expanding fan base into VR fitness, that can be key as well, both with popularity as well as drawing the interest of people who are currently on the fence. I think largely more traditional gamers who are a little bit slower to embrace VR at this stage. I think a further proliferation of VR esports can help capture their interest. And I think if that happens in the next five years, that'll be an important driver behind VR fitness taking hold in the populace here. Can't wait till 2028. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to see right. you guys at East Coast in time. Open up a black box here. I'm waiting for you guys to open up here on the East Coast. I know you guys have a strong presence out West, but we're waiting for you guys to- Can't to, wait. <laughs> yeah. Make inroads over yeah. here. Yeah, it'd be cool, dude. Like, I guess my dream for myself would be something like a Beat Saber, but like more social experience, more a, a game experience that has like progression and more role-playing type of thing together with sports kind of social. So I'm always like working on something versus just repeating the same thing over and over. But then be able to go to a gym that has like specialized equipment, like black box VR resistant yeah. training equipment with a community there with octonic treadmills and maybe upgraded versions. And it's harder to get at home. Other type of experiences like that with peripherals and full tracking and higher end headsets, just this amazing full fitness experience at this uh, location. So you guys already know real estate within Manhattan. So let's go. What, what do we yeah. wait for? Dude, it'll be like that billions episode. Showtime put us on that. Have you guys heard of the show billions? Yep. They, um, yeah. We were on episode 13, I think it was, season two or three, I can't remember, but there's a scene where they have black box machines, and this is back in 2018 or 19, 
and they have black box machines, and then they have people on treadmills with headsets on running. So that's going to be a thing. <laughs> it was like kind of all fake, you know, but it's this idea of this futuristic gym. Well, the funniest part about that was that the person was in VR and they had a trainer, but yes. the trainer was outside VR, like pretending to guide them. I'm like, maybe they had passed through, you know, the person can't even <laughs> see you and they're like telling them what to do. <laughs> you may have seen it. You may not have seen it. A couple of months ago, Qualcomm was introducing a new processor. And obviously, you know, in their video advertisement, they had a person running on a treadmill with the glasses, AR glasses. And what do you think this person saw through VR glasses? They actually showed us what she saw. She saw this size, small chart with your pulse and oh, how man. much she runs. That's how they use the processor. It's almost more torturous. I swear, if I'm ever on a treadmill, like just mm. seeing my pulse and heart rate and calories barely tick up, I'm like, oh man, this sucks. It's <laughs> funny. Fun. You know, they got to the point, they're like, oh yeah, mixed reality is going to kick ass in treadmill running. And then they found the best That's application, what... just replicating the Fitbit. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, that's all the time we have. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us and sharing your story, insights, and passion for creating the future of VR fitness with our audience. And anyone in our audience, if you'd like to get into contact with the team, we'll put all their info into the show notes. So be sure to check those out. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the VR Fitness Insider Podcast. Do you know of anyone that should be on our show or have feedback? Don't forget to email us at podcast at vrfitnessinsider.com. And follow us at VR Fitness Insider on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also join our Discord channel. Until next time, keep creating and dreaming up the next big thing that will revolutionize the world of fitness.